Thank you to each one who participated in our service this evening. And thank you all that participated this morning as well. Certainly was encouraged and blessed as I heard what God is doing in your life. It's great to rejoice together and to be remindful, to be um, reminded of the Lord's greatness and goodness. Also, thank you for returning again tonight. We are looking forward to this holiday season and the many opportunities that we have to gather together for very special services. I just uh, remind you of the uh, children's program that is going to be coming up uh, the second week in December. And then, of course, our candlelight service and the senior choir presenting the cantata on the third Sunday night of the month. That will be a great joy. So I hope that you can return and be with us for those special services. Tonight I'm going to continue on looking at the eternal state as we are reflecting on all the benefits that have come to us as a result of the second Adam, how Jesus Christ is going to make a right all that was destroyed by Adam's fall, that the world is going to be not only as a pre-fallen state, but better than a pre-fallen state. In Revelation chapter 22, uh, excuse me, in Revelation chapter 21 to Revelation 22.2, we have a description of the new heaven and new earth. It says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And he showed me. So here is a a vision, if you will, that uh, the Apostle John received, that he was given a glimpse of this new heaven and new earth. And tonight we want to look at the characteristics of life in the new heaven and new earth. What is it going to be like to live in this new heaven and new earth? The first thought is all effects of the curse will be gone. Revelation 22, verse 3, and there shall no longer be any curse. Uh, We have been emphasizing throughout the study that presently the earth is under a curse. And you may wonder why I have been emphasizing that so much. And the answer is because it really explains all of life as we know it. Uh, We live in a fallen world. And that extends to every facet of our being and all the circumstances of our life. As you turn on the TV, as you open a newspaper, if anybody does that anymore... Or if you uh, look on uh, the blogs and read on the internet about what is taking place, you can just write across all the bad news, fallen world. We live in a fallen world. It explains the hardship, the difficulty, the misery, the the pain, the frustration, the problems of life. We live in a fallen world. In Genesis three seventeen and 18, it says, Then to Adam he said, 
Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat from it, cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to ground, because from it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. It's important to realize that work is not a curse, but the frustration that is associated with work is the curse. We are going to be busy in the new heaven and new earth. We aren't just going to sit around and worship all the time. It's not just a, a, an eternal worship service. Uh, it is going to be a life in which we are going to be busy, we're going to be active, and yes, we're going to work. But there is going to be no frustration associated with that work. The earth groans, waiting to be free from its curse. Romans 8.22 For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together unto now. The transformed earth is free from its curse. The river of life will be uncontaminated. Revelation 22 verse 1 And he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal. Not polluted, not corrupted in any sense. The tree of life will bear fruit uninterruptedly. Revelation 22.2 In the middle of the street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit... Every month. So every month there is going to be a fruit on the tree of life that can be eaten. Now, I don't know if it's going to continually bear 12 kinds of fruit or that each month there's a different fruit for that month. It may speak of variety. It may speak of, of uh, the sumptuousness of it. I don't know. Uh, I thought that it was impossible for a tree to bear different kinds of fruit at the same time. I thought you had a tree and you had fruit. But uh, Matt and Suki, for, their, uh, for uh, his father's birthday, bought him an apple tree that bears three different kinds of apples. I didn't know you could do that. But, uh, so they, they purchased him an apple tree to plant in his backyard that will uh, produce three different varieties of apples. Well, I don't know if these are 12 different fruits that are going to be born all at the same time or a fruit of the month club. But whatever the case, uh, there's going to be variety. Three, there will be no harmful effects from eating of that, of all that God has provided. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing 12 fruits, kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, you say, why do we need to be healing? There's no more pain, there's no more sorrow, there's no more death, there's no more misery, there's no more aches, pains. So why do you need a healing leaf in a utopia? Well, it's speaking about the fact that this tree produces nothing but good for us. For the earth will be in a pre-fallen condition only better. Because it can't be ruined. It can't be corrupted. 
It is the eternal and final state. And I can't emphasize that enough, that it is the eternal and final state. Uh, We are looking forward to a resurrection. The body that goes in the grave is going to come out of the grave. So many times in people's minds, you die and you go to heaven and that's it. That's not it. That's temporary. We are going to be reunited, body and soul. We're going to be raised from the dead. We're going to dwell on this earth. And then at the end of the millennial kingdom, this earth is going to be changed even further. So much so that it's described as a new heaven and a new earth. And that is our eternal state. Living in this new heaven and new earth. See, the effects of the curse upon mankind in relationship to the earth, will be removed. The curse banished mankind from the delicacies of the garden. Uh, I've already read 3.17 and 18, so let's look at Genesis 3.24. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims, and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep away the tree of life. So mankind was put out of this incredibly beautiful garden, the Garden of Eden, was not able to partake of the delicacies, and certainly was not able to partake of the tree of life. All of that is going to change. Two, in the new heaven and new earth, there is opportunity to habitually drink from the pure waters of the river of life and eat freely at all times from the fruit of the tree of life. The Emphasis is on the continuity or the continual or eternal effect, for it yields its fruit every month. A, there are no harmful effects of eating from the fruit of the tree of life. We can eat and enjoy it. This is a depiction of unmitigated joy and delight. There is no mixed blessing. In Proverbs 10.22, it says, It is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. Psalm 46, verse 4, There's a river whose streams makes glad the city of God, the dwelling places of the Most High. I believe it's referring to this very river. Uh, It makes glad the people of God. We expressed this morning reasons to be thankful. And as you remember many of the testimonies of individuals this morning, there was a bittersweet aspect to many of them. Hardships and difficulties of which they are thankful for God's grace, thankful for God's sustaining power, thankful for what God brought them through. And so, if you will, there is that sense of mixed blessing. But in the new heaven and earth, There is no downside. There is no flip side to the coin. There is no taking the bad and making it good as there is in this life. But it's all positive. All positive. With, as I say, no downside. Number three, the river of life and the tree of life are not to be seen as the source of life in the new heaven and new earth, but rather the benefits of life in the new heaven and earth. And he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and the Lamb. The ultimate source of life, of course, is God. 
And the life that we experience is the life that is given to us by Jesus Christ. He is the resurrection and the life. He imparts to us life. So we don't have to eat from this tree of life in order to be sustained, in order to stay healthy, or in order to continue to live. We are going to be eternal. We don't need the tree of life to sustain life, but rather it's the product, it's the benefit of life. It's what we enjoy in having life. Much akin to what is said repeatedly in the book of Isaiah, for example, the imagery of drawing from the waters of salvation. Uh, It's the benefits of our salvation. Uh, You may have heard the expression, some people eat to live and other people live to eat. Uh, That uh, sometimes we eat in order to sustain ourselves. And on Thanksgiving Day, you'll probably eat more calories than you really need to uh, stay healthy. Uh, You probably are going to overindulge. Well, in the new heaven and earth, you're not living to... You're not eating to live, but rather you're living to eat. It's the aspect of the sumptuousness of it. Number two. In the new heaven and earth, God's reign is perfectly established. Revelation 22.3, And there shall no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. God's Reign is perfectly established. Now we have a whole series of things. First, in that his servants, perfect service. And there shall no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and the bond servants shall serve him. There is a simple but profound truth in this verse. Some of you may remember burpee seeds. Anybody remember burpee seeds? Okay, some of you showing your age. All right, you remember burpee seeds. And uh, back, I think it was in the 40s, it was a while ago, burpee seeds ran a contest to come up with a slogan so that they could advertise and sell burpee seeds. And they had all kinds of slogans come in uh, to uh, offer as a ad campaign for selling burpee seeds. And someone wrote in and said, as a slogan, burpee seeds grow. And when the person that was in charge of this whole campaign first read that, thought, hey, all right, okay, what do you expect seeds to do? And he kind of put it aside. But then more than he thought about that, what do you expect seeds to do? You expect seeds to grow. And so as they batted it back and forth, that actually became the slogan of burpee seeds. Burpee seeds grow. What more do you need to know? What more do you need to say? Well, here, the servants of God serve. What more do you need to know? What more do you need to say? That's exactly what we have been redeemed for. That's exactly what we've been saved for. And that's what we do. The people serve. The people of God will serve him as Christ served him. Willingly. Completely, joyfully, lovingly. The struggle will be over for us. Romans 7.22, I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, 
But I see a different law in my members of my body, warring against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is my members. Paul talks about the struggle, that he wants to serve God, but finds it so difficult to do so. Wants to please God, but also wants to please himself. And there's an inner struggle that goes on. Well, in the new heaven and new earth, all that inner struggle, all that turmoil is done away with. Uh, we will serve willingly, gladly, freely, uh, unhinderedly, pure with no mixture, uh, no alloy of any kind of sinfulness. B, God's reign is perfectly established as seen in his servants' perfect fellowship. In his servants' perfect fellowship. Revelation 22, verse 4, And they shall see his face. We will completely experience the grace of God and benefit from all of his mercy. In Exodus 33, 18, uh, Moses is on the mount, and he pleads with God to show Moses his glory. Then Moses said, I pray thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> but he said... You cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. We can't see his face. We will have a complete understanding of all things, 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know fully, just as also I have been fully known. We are going to see God's glory in its fullness. Which means not only are we going to have a visual representation of God that is just absolutely magnificent, but it also means that we are going to understand, I believe for the very first time, all that God is doing presently. We're going to have a thorough understanding of all the, the questions that we have of why are going to be answered. And we're going to understand them from God's perspective. And we are going to acknowledge the wisdom, the goodness, justice, love of God. We're finally going to get it. And the result is going to be that we just praise God for all that he has done. See, God's reign is perfectly established as seen in the perfect protection of his people. They are sealed from all danger and hardship. Revelation 22, verse 4. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. The imagery here is of ownership, that we belong to God, and that God sets a seal on us or protects us. Number one, the imagery of having the seal on the forehead is to be under the protection of the one represented by the seal. The informing theology of this goes all the way back to Ezekiel, chapter 9. And the Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city, even through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on their foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations which are committed in its midst. 
But to the others, he said in my hearing, Go through the city after him and strike. Do not let your eye have pity and do not spare. Utterly slay old men and young men, maidens, little children, and women. But do not touch any man on whom is the mark. In Revelation 7, verse 3, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of God on their foreheads. Revelation 9, verse 4, And they were told that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, nor any tree, but only the men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. So the great imagery is one of protection. Secondly, those that receive the mark of the beast were to abide under the beast's protection in Revelation 13, 16, and 17. And he causes all the small and great and the rich and the poor and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he, that is the beast, provides that no one should be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. So in the time of the Great Tribulation, people are divided into two classes. There are people that have the mark of God on their forehead. There are people that have the mark of the beast on their forehead. Those that are going to be under the protection of God, those are going to be under the protection of the beast. And obviously it's far better to be under God's protection than uh, that of the beast. But in the new heaven and new earth, uh, we are under the sovereign protection of God. That's why there is absolutely nothing that can harm or destroy in this new heaven and new earth. There will be no satanic activity. There will be nothing to upset its tranquility. D. God's reign is perfectly established as seen in his complete care of his kingdom. There is the image of continual care. Revelation 22.5 And there shall no longer be any night. No longer any night. There is going to be a habitual day. Secondly, there is also the image of a personal care of God. And they shall have need, and they shall not have need of the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, because the Lord God shall illumine them. Isaiah 60 reads as follows No longer will you have the sun for light by day, nor for brightness will the moon give you light, but you will have the Lord for an everlasting light, and your God. For your glory. Your sun will set no more. Neither will your moon wane. For you will have the Lord for an everlasting light. And the days of your mourning will be finished. Then all your people will be righteous. They will possess the land forever. The branch of my planting. The work of my hands that I have glorified. There is the image of the Lamb's glory being perfectly revealed and understood. And the city has no need of the sun. Or of the moon to shine upon it. For the glory has illumined it. And its lamp is the Lamb. We are told if you look down uh, at the next set of verses. Psalm 19, 1 and 2. The heavens are telling the glory of God. Their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech. Night to night reveals knowledge. The scripture says that we can see the glory of God as we look at this magnificent creation. We are to see from this creation that God is wise. We're to see from this creation that God is powerful. We're to see from this creation that God is eternal. 
We can see the glory of God, but it's veiled. In the new heaven and new earth, the glory of God is going to be perfectly revealed in himself. So that we are not looking at the stars and we're not looking at the sun to perceive that glory. But we look directly at him. And that glory is perfectly revealed. Revelation 21, 24. And the nations shall walk by its light. And the kings of the earth shall bring their glory in it. And in the daytime, for there shall be no night there, its gates shall never be closed. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. This glory and honor, as I would understand it, it, they are bringing into the gates of the city their produce, if you will, the fruits of their labors. Uh, as I said, I think the life that is going to be lived is quite similar to the life that's lived now. And as they bring their wares into the city, there is just a, a, a constant acknowledgement of the fact that this all comes at God's good hand. And they're bringing the wares into the city, not so much to buy and sell, but to present to God. Here is the fruit of our labor. Uh, here is the product of our hands. It's our way of presenting to God in grateful understanding and adoration that all things really belong unto him and come from him. Lastly, God's reign is perfectly established as seen in his people, sharing all the benefits of his kingdom. We're to live a life of kings. Revelation 22, verse 5. There shall no longer be any night. There shall not have need of light of a lamp or the light of the sun, because the Lord God shall illumine them, and they shall reign forever and ever. Many commentators ask the question, who will we reign over? Ever think about that? We're all going to reign forever and ever. Well, then who are the subjects? Three, the point of the passage is not that there is a people that we reign over. Rather, the point is that we are not mere subjects of this kingdom, but we are individuals who benefit from the spoils of the kingdom. The idea is that, that we live a life of kings. It's, it's a glorious life. There used to be a, a show many, many, many years ago called The Life of Riley. And the idea was that uh, this guy had the perfect life, the life of Riley. He had it made. He had it made. And the thought of this passage is, we've got it made. We're in this kingdom. But we're in this kingdom not as peasants, not as serfs. We're in this kingdom as kings, that we benefit from it. We enjoy it. Uh, we have it made, is really the thought of this passage. Uh, we are to long and look forward to and anticipate that day. Our lives on this earth are brief. That day will be eternal. And we need to constantly remind ourselves that the day is coming. And remind ourselves, now we are living under a curse. Why has this happened to me? Because we live in a fallen, sinful world. But we won't always. There will be a day that the curse 
is removed. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your great grace and goodness to us and the anticipated joy of being with you in your eternal kingdom, living a life free from all effects of the curse, a perfect world, even as you have always intended. We long for that day, O God, and we praise you for the opportunity to participate in it, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, and you are dismissed.